One, two, two three. three. That was pretty good. It was pretty good. That's professional level. Okay, so we're going to mask and pod. And I know what you all are thinking. It's oh, a pod mask, not a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Thank you. I'm here all week. Um, they're face masks. We wear our other masks, our COVID masks, everywhere. <laughs> But this is to replenish our skin. I am doing the Miss Spa 24 Karat Gold Facial Sheet Mask because I am extra. Oh, wow. That is extra. That looks like you're putting on like a lucha mask. Uh-huh. I have Andalou Naturals non-GMO. Uh, I think it was redefining. But it was blue, and I like the color blue, and why not? Mine we were... is very whipped. Wait, I thought we were doing our, like, on per... Look. Wow. Oh, it's cold. It's, I've never seen a gold sheet mask. I've only ever seen white ones. It's kind of freaky. You, I feel like I'm in a comedia show with you. And Who would we be? Oh, I'm definitely like Columbina. a Smeraldina, Columbina type. I think I'm a lover. <laughs> or what did the old lovers grow into? First lady, second lady? That's what the, lady, the British lady talks about. <laughs> There's the first actor and the second mm -hmm. actor. Look at it. It's like the paint that I put on my sofa. It's very fancy. I wish you all could see this. Uh, yeah, too bad we, we chose a visual medium. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> we will have to take pictures. We will definitely take pictures. Um, In fact, should we stop and do that now? No, we'll do, we'll, we'll do it at some point. Okay. I don't know how long I'll be able to keep this on because okay. it's slipping down well, my face. We, when we have to take it off, we will. Okay. It's going to be fun watching you with a very, very gold face. I feel like I'm I'm doing a podcast with a Bond villain. Um, you have like a thick dollop right in between your like like where your third eye would be. Yeah, I'm sure that was fun for all of you listening. <laughs> uh, part well, of this, I actually it kind of goes along with the theme totally that we're talking about today. Uh, so backtracking to what we want to talk about, um, I think both of us have been really into uh conversations around the idea of radical self-care right now mm -hmm. and I think um, part of that is because a lot of the anti-racist work that we've both been like really trying to bring to the forefront of our lives in recent months um, Brooke found Trisha Hershey um, does has an Instagram page you should all follow called the Nap Ministry um, she also has a website devoted to this and other things um, but she obsessed with her. Yeah, you brought her into my life, and I'm very thankful you did. Um, I have been finding uh, the same sort of advice and inspiration from activist Sonia Renee Taylor, who she has her own page, but she's also an author. She also has an Instagram page for um, one of her books, "The Body Is Not an Apology," oh. is really framing. Um, so most of her work frames radical self-care through the lens of um, just defeating the systems that yeah. keep us down. Um, but that one is sort of for women and anybody with a lived experience of misogyny to appreciate their bodies and love their bodies and that how much you need to love your body and yourself um, and rest. This is what both women have in common. Rest, rest, and go against the grind because the grind is patriarchal, capitalist, white supremacist uh, yeah. crap. In fact, the last um, the last post I saved from the Nat Bishop was saying like, listen, if you're if you're taking this ministry and you're only talking about uh, 
self-care and taking a nap and you're not talking about dismantling white suprem- white supremacy and being an anti-racist you're not you're, you're missing stealing it you're missing the whole point yeah that's yeah. called appropriation i forget what word she is she didn't yeah, say appropriation I saw that. yeah yeah I she's right 100 percent right and i worry because i feel like sometimes um sometimes i'm scared i use it selfishly yeah. without without doing enough of the anti-racist work to well it's all wrapped in right because the whole thing is like it, it's like a double-edged sword where you need the rest to do the work but you also feel guilty doing the rest because part of the systems that are in play that are keeping everybody down are telling you that you're lazy if you rest and especially you know as a woman we you have to work twice as hard to fit in spaces as a white person when you're like in this fight that people of color are have this battle fatigue from that you're like hey i'm here to fight but i also need to take a nap and i'll catch you in a couple hours and they're like (laughs) it must be nice well and then you think too because you talk so much about intergenerational topic on the uh trauma on the way up here but i think too so often about uh, about the intergenerational exhaustion Mm -hmm. trauma like think about the unpaid unappreciated labor of black women Mm -hmm. in our nation and how for the most part that labor has directly benefited my descendants right and i do i feel i feel um i feel inappropriate preaching the the nat ministry sometimes uh and and undeserving of of a nap yeah. Uh, you know, luckily I am a selfish bitch <laughs> and do lots of things I don't deserve to do. <laughs> and napping is one of them. Well, I think everybody, everybody needs to be more restful. Um, I think part, it, it all ties into stuff we've talked about before about people not taking the time to grieve, people not taking the time to sit with and name any sort of any sort of thing they're going through. Yeah. Um, and we don't. We don't process emotion. We don't process events. We um, we have this uh, live-to-work grind. And, 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 you know, a lot of that, when you're talking about racism in our country, you're talking about people who look down on people in poverty and instead of looking at the facts and the, and the stats and the reasons why they're there, saying, oh, they're lazy and this whole bootstrap myth lie not even a myth it's just an yeah yeah it is it's an active lie you're right because it, it's a lie that the one percent have been telling us since the fucking gilded age yeah. you know so that we don't pay attention to them all taking their fucking naps and massages Which is why and... we need to start blowing shit up we need to stop blowing shit up Yes. So anyways, today's topic is going to be all about uh, physical manifestations of grief and tying that into how we think. uh, For me, this is just really like a new radical thing like, oh, wow, I really never take care of myself and uh, really want to start and really want to start encouraging everybody else because I think we have a long, scary, busy fighting road ahead of us that is going to be more than we even bargained for right now as we are freaking out about it. And so... um, this is Dead Folks, and thanks for joining us. That's where you're gonna put her in her song, huh? So, before we get going, Brooke had said earlier on our way up here, I just wanna let y'all know. 
we're recording on our phones again, and um, we're up in Oakhurst, California. I um, have a little studio up here that I've been running throughout the pandemic, and it has been a godsend. Uh, but then California has decided to burn all around us, and um, we had some morning evacuations in this area. Luckily, my town up here has been pretty safe, aside from the air quality, um, but I evacuated most of my stuff in kind of a rush and haven't been back up here all month, even though I've been paying rent. So um, we just decided to take a nice drive and come up here and kind of check on the place and make sure I hadn't left trash in here three weeks ago that was rotting. So that's where we're coming from. Um, so yeah, let's just, let's talk about physical manifestations of grief that you have been experiencing or have experienced. Um, are we allowed to say diarrhea in podcasting? <laughs> no, we're going to okay. have to censor that. Okay. We can call it the poops. <laughs> you know, this has been the way I've processed, uh, trauma and grief since, uh, it, since as far back as I can remember, since probably since my first major trauma of being molested by my grandfather, I feel like I've had intestinal issues my whole fucking life. And um, part of it is because I don't eat. I was going to say right, but I'm trying to divorce myself from the idea. I don't eat unprocessed. I don't eat um, balanced. I don't eat, you know, I'd like to eat the way my great-grandmother ate you know mm -hmm. like she knew she knew her chickens mm -hmm. I imagine I don't know I never met my great-grandmother in my mind she knew chickens <laughs> kind of like grew lettuce and shit so anyways I uh, part of it is that but part of it is just my gut man like uh, it's yeah. it's it is guaranteed if I am directing a play there will be at least one rehearsal where I'm like oh, okay so just run that scene <laughs> and I have to disappear into the bathroom or, uh, uh, I mean, I live on Imodium when I'm performing. I live on it. Otherwise, I am just shitting. <laughs> Do you have any specific things about right when your mom died that you remember about your digestive system sort of just, just changing or... You know, that whole time, because she was in hospice for... She was in hospice for how long? Like a month? I don't even remember. And we kind of knew since August that she was gonna that she was dying so I had just been spending so much time down there that I mean I remember a couple times needing to stop to find a, a bathroom between but, Fresno and Visalia because I, I was gonna I yeah yeah I needed one so there were some close calls yeah can you imagine if it was, like, during those initial months of the pandemic? When, you still can't use a bathroom, yeah. like, hardly anywhere. Yeah. I know. It would have been horrible. Yeah. I mean, I would have shat myself, I imagine. Yeah. But, I mean, it's always been digestive. It's always been the poops yeah. for me. And, and, you know, other things as well. But that's the one that stands out to me the most. Digestive. Just the digestive issues. And just, it's guaranteed. I get in a fight with somebody, I can guarantee to you I'm going to spend the next couple days. Just, my stomach isn't going to work. Yeah. I could guarantee it. Yeah. Jay used to say, like, Brooke, you have food poisoning more than any person I know. And I'm like, is it food poisoning? Or is it, like, yeah, IBS stress or, or stress or, or the depression of, or untreated depression. I mean, think about how long I lived with untreated depression. Yeah. I'm sure that was part of it. Yeah. I think our bodies know us and our minds, obviously, better yeah. Oh, anyone. Man. Yeah. And I'm just thinking too, like, 
the one time, uh, so we should give a trigger warning, so talk of suicide. Okay. Um, but when I attempted suicide the the first time, I I so distinctly remember the diarrhea shits with that attempt. Now, some of it was obviously medicine related, mm-hmm. but you know, I'm sure some of it was just like nerves. Oh. Well, sad. Yeah. Like my sadness coming out in poop. (laughs) (laughs) I just assured like teardrops of poop. Well, a little bit. They were like kind of yellowy. I don't know what color they were. I don't know. I remember tasting colors too. That was weird. But anyways. So I just, it's always been intestinal for me. More than anything else. More than. Yeah. I feel like I have that. I, I, not, I, I twist myself up in knots to like constipation point. It's kind of like the opposite, uh-huh. but, but the weight gain is always something that oh. happens for me when I'm sad. Yeah. Um, always. Um, but for the, the biggest thing since, um, my mom died that has been so strange and not just not something I've dealt with before is my, my hip to my, my left mm. hip down to my foot and the drama that is in, and I don't know, I should look up like what that part of the body holds because it is, it is not my hip or my foot or my leg. It is somebody else's, you know? Yeah. Since, and, and I know part of it is the week my mother was in a coma, my sister and I just laid there next to her and, you know, she, they had brought in a hospital bed for her next to her bed. And so you were really kind of stuck on one side the whole time, unless you wanted to flip and be at her feet or whatever. And I, my body has just never recovered from it. And, um, in, in the weeks and months, like right after she died, I think anybody who has gone through a death related grief. I have to believe that like bone deep exhaustion that comes from it. Um, it's like I had healed from it and then it, I, it will knock in, it will like snap in uh. out of nowhere sometimes. And I've been, I've always had like re, for like a few years have had sciatica issues, but nothing like what has happened to my leg since then. And now Brooke knows, but I don't know how many of you know who are listening that um, it's also become, it's like exacerbated down to my foot where now I have a bone spur and arthritis in my foot and plantar fasciitis in my foot. And so that makes walking really hard. And then it affects like my shins and my calves and soreness there. And, um, and walking, it'd be so weird to just like, you know, you take walking for granted. You, you, you spend your whole life hating your body and then don't realize how functional and healthy and good it is to you. And then all of a sudden you can't walk. And, and I know, you know, I'm seeing a physical therapist. I went to my doctor. There's do these stretches, wait out the time. A lot of it, you know, my doctor was very kind and good about like, yeah, if you gain 35 pounds in a pandemic very quickly, it's going to put on needed pressure. And maybe if you lose some weight, that will help. But that's not all that's going on here. But whether it's crazy or not to think, I know so much of it is just grief. Well, can we stop for a second and, and examine whether or not it's crazy to think it? And just kind of address the fact that as women, how much we are conditioned to doubt our lived experiences in our body. Absolutely. 
and and to to downplay it and to write it off and to help i mean i've i'm a grown ass 40 year old woman who you, you who know takes, when your body does yeah, not feel who the takes way no it prisoners and i am i look for ways to give a doctor to excuse my ailment yeah yeah that's real who's that woman i don't know i mean she's like She's every woman. Yeah. Because you know, because you're conditioned from the time you go in as a 16-year-old with cramps that make you faint on the bathroom floor. Uh-huh. And, and they're just, just going to go, that's your period. Welcome to being a woman. You know. And never. Or, or put you on, you know, my, my doctor with, you know, a lot of back and forth with my mother. I got put on birth control as a teenager to help with the cramps and mm. that was a whole thing because and then god it made forbid you, a you whore, yeah right? god forbid you teach sex education which by the way keeps abortion rates down but let's move on from that um, <laughs> but then you're dealing with all the side effects of that and everything yeah. else but yeah. um yeah we're conditioned from the time we're very young to i even when i was little i would get migraines and there was not a real they wouldn't really do anything about it they were just Every time I go to the doctor, it's just like, I've had this my whole life. I've had migraines my whole life. What are you going to do for me? And there have been very few doctors that have ever... Ever even tried. Ever it, tried to do anything more than been like, oh, that's sorry. I'm sorry. Drink more water. You know? Yeah. Well, and just imagine, too, then, you know, sometimes I just have to stop and remind myself, God, it is hard. It is hard to navigate this world. As an educated, middle-class white woman, how the fuck is anybody else ever supposed to have even a shot at it? Yeah. You know? Like, it... Well, it's the whole ignorance is bliss thing. I think anybody with any sort of uh, empathy or compassion yeah. or education... Yeah. It's, 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 and this year is just like, you know, griefs on griefs on griefs, and... Um, I definitely feel it impacting my body in lots of ways. Um, I had a text conversation with my friend Sid. I hope she's okay me mentioning her by name. I feel like she would be. Um, we were talking about um, just trying to get to the point where in your grief, you learn to accept the things, the way your body changes physically. That is that is not only because of grief, but that is not you inherently forever. So mm. right now I am at the highest weight I've ever been. And I feel like because I've been doing, because I've been listening to everything that Trisha Hershey and Sonia Renee Taylor and others like them have been saying, because I am older, because I know and see what the world is going through that I can say, this is my weight right now. This is this is who my body is in a pandemic, having lost their mom, earning an MFA while working 60-hour weeks, doing relief work. Like, yeah. This is who my body is in that situation. This is your chapter. This, 10 years ago, I would have been like, I am an overweight, ugly monster. You know what I mean? And that's who I am forever. This is who my body is right now, and this is how my body needs to hold itself in protection from everything I am feeling in the world. And that's okay. Yeah, I, I love that. And I totally respect that. I think that for, for me, though, when I hear that, my fear is... What am I trying to get at? My fear is that I feel like it says that where you're at now is only okay because it's temporary. And I just, I, I just am coming to the place where there's a strong chance my current obesity is the obesity I will die at. In fact, actually... 
Numbers-wise, I'm lucky if this is the level of obese I die at. Because most people just keep getting heavier and heavier and heavier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I'm really searching for a way to embrace to embrace my body and, and not just my weight, but embrace my body and all yeah. the other things that are happening are going to start happening more. Right. The sagging and the weird settling the of things and yeah. the, and the wrinkles and my lovely, lovely breasts <laughs> just getting more and more pendulous. <laughs> and I, I really want to figure out a way to really embrace where my body is on th- that journey. And I think so much of it is about, for me, mm-hmm. like riding out the wave of those feelings when they come, because I'm never, I'm never gonna be able to stop feeling that way. Because it's not like right. I'm gonna suddenly stop living in this society, right? So, or having grief, or, or having being grief. human, or, or having whatever yeah. chemical imbalances causes depression or anything. Yeah, else. but just really insisting to myself that I feel, that I allow myself to feel sh- shitty. Yeah. And and then to look at it. To, right. to, to To feel it so much that I look at it. Right. Like, I don't, I don't go to a thrift store to, like, shove away f- thinking about it. I don't watch TV. I don't get on my phone to shove away thinking about it. You name it and you sit with it. Yeah. Which is essentially, I think... Every episode we have comes back to comes back to that that you know Buddhists call it mindfulness. It's it's just it's naming it. It's sitting making tea for your demons and yeah. sitting with them and knowing they're there and not letting them control you and not letting them destroy you, not letting them scare you, and just be like, this is the most human thing there is is to be scared or to be hurting or to be grieving or anything else and that it's okay a a joyful room for it yeah i I want a joyful room for my body yeah you know and it's you know not just my body for i remember the first time i ever was doing that crystal link ladder work and i released my jaw and i just started crying I remember working on LESAC work my first semester of graduate school and putting my body in alignment and cru- weeping, weeping. Oh, God, they didn't know what to do with me in Mississippi. But that, <laughs> they were just like, I don't, I do not know she's feeling things so loud. I'm surprised that that's a thing because it's not just an acting thing. Yeah. That is, I mean, I felt that doing Alexander Technique in undergrad. I felt that with acupuncture. I have felt that with massage therapy. I felt that with my myofascia specialist that I've been going to. The body holds tension. The body knows trauma. There's a book out there by uh, Von Bessel, I think is the doctor's name, called The Body Keeps Score. And it's all about how, yes, that's someone can poke you right there in your near your elbow and there is a memory when you were seven with your mom that you have not released and can release it you know our bodies and that's the thing it's so weird to I I used to be an athlete I you know was young and beautiful and of course I didn't know it at the time and I thought I was hideous because I live in a capitalist patriarchal society that made me think that it makes money off of you and feeling makes, that yeah, way yeah that that benefits from me thinking that and I believed it and here I am the oldest I've been the heaviest I've been the saddest and tiredest and most bagged under my eyes I've ever been and it's the first time in my life 
that I'm able to just be like, and so what? That does not take my away my inherent value. That does not. Yeah. I'm still smart. I'm still funny. I'm still talented. I am still c- c- compassionate and well, empathetic and all the wonderful things I want to be yeah. that matter so much more. Um, and that I really think that the self-love movement, one of the things I love so much about it is this idea that that if we all love ourselves individually, then we can love each other and that the love is the answer to getting to where we want to be and that so much of what I've been reading about women's rage for my thesis has been about how women's rage has been the thing that has needled our country forward again and again and again and it's always hidden, It's all, the message is always smeared over that it's not women's rage but women's rage really inherently is is this agopic loving compassionate world holding mother female divinity that i am i am so interested in falling down this rabbit hole right now i love that I thought of, like, nine things. What you said was so exciting. My brain started literally, like, having a little dance. It was so excited. A literal brain dance? Yeah. I'm I hope that you it. guys have that, too, because <laughs> my brain just danced all the different places. First thing, yes, totally that. Um, so you were talking about self-love, and I think I may have shared it with you. It was, like, self-love isn't about loving the way you look. It's about discovering the way you look isn't the most important thing about you which for women is so radical yeah i want to talk about a little bit how the patriarchy's um the way the patriarchy hurts men as well is by not allowing them non-sexual touch Mm -hmm. and think about how many men like i know men that are not like bros like i don't know any men that are like bros except maybe my bro hey bro he doesn't (laughs) listen but that would have been hilarious um uh who won't go to a masseuse, you yeah. know? And that's and and because they have been conditioned to not allow themselves right. anything other than, than a pedicure because really you're taking care of ingrown toenails, you're yeah. taking care of calluses. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be fucking pink they won't. gel nail polish. And if it is, I love that for you. Yeah. But like it, yeah. Um make sure where you're going is safe and everybody's taken care of. Uh tip your masseuse. Yeah. And your and pedicurist. <laughs> but 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 they just don't they're not allowed. The, yeah. Like this shitty misogynistic society do, hurts men too. Absolutely. It doesn't allow them how you know I get so frustrated with men. So I spend so much time wanting to just kick almost all of them in the balls and I just feel like well what are they supposed to do? Yeah. You know they're they're swimming in this soup telling them that that they aren't allowed to be human, essentially. Right. That they're only allowed to be rage machines. Right. And um, I have to remember that when I get frustrated. That that it it's this soup of white supremacy and misogyny that that hurts us. Yeah. I my friend had posted something recently on Facebook about like do not fall to the to the. I have something about tricks of white supremacy, of divisiveness, 
you know, apathy, fear, sure, divisiveness, and distraction. And it was such a good thing for me to hear. And I still, it's like I need to put it on my mirror and like hear it every day because it's so easy. It's so easy to be mad at people. It's so easy to take your griefs out in that way. And I think that we are looking at a world where really a lot of our issues stem from negligence, stem from where we're talking about environment or racism or anything else where people just go, I'm too tired, I'm too whatever, that that is not my problem. And it's like, it's not like an avoidance or a denial that the problems exist, but it's like that is for somebody else. Huh. And um, and I've been thinking about that too. I gotta say, I'm not sure I'm as on board with that. I, I'm saying there are definitely people who ha are saying, hey, recycle, and then knowing that they're not going to recycle yeah. anything. Like, they're I just, I just feel like it's not an act of avoidance. I feel like... I feel like it's capitalism. I feel like as soon as we stop Oh, it could be both. Sure. But as soon as we stop things and people didn't have to... And they were permitted, no, uh, demanded to get off the rat race, the, the treadmill of... Yes. Work. That's as why all this is happening. As soon as that happened, I feel like the whole world went, the fuck? Well, half the world. The other the other half of the world went, no, put us back on the wheel. We want, we're going crazy not having the wheel yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. We want back, yeah. I can't bear to sit in this. Yeah, I can't. I can't bear to sit in this generation after generation right. after generation of avoidance. And I, I. Yes, I agree with you there. I, yeah. I, cause I don't, I. I have a hard time blaming the average working... I just... It's, it's just so hard, like, living <laughs> in the world. Yeah. I have to remind myself of that so I don't get so mad. Because I just... I can't, I can't be mad all the time. I can't be mad. I can't be mad until November I'll die. When I get mad, so manifestations, so stuff we haven't even talked about yet, by the way, everyone, is after I graduated and did my little thesis presentation and had my birthday, my entire body has broken out in hives, head to toe, varying hives, which is like <laughs> very Two different types. Two different types of hives with different uh, healing different sizes, shapes, colorations. It's very strange. Brooke, will, Brooke, Brooke can see them and tell you. She's not making them up this time. It's totally true. <laughs> but I really think, and, and my doctor was like, yeah, they're, they're probably stress-related. They're probably emotional. And um, what was my point with this? My point was there is part of me that knows that is just stress and anxiety and rage and everything else. And you can't live like that because in addition to the physical manifestation of burning, itching hives and, and making your body feel like you, it's been run over and your blood pressure pumping, you know, too high. And, and, and the cortisol just like, yeah, you're just, yeah, just feeling crazy. I also, I also feel like the rage is something that I want to lean into as well because I've spent so much of my from teenage years from preteen years probably till now doubting gaslighting my own emotions mm -hmm. gaslighting my experiences because oftentimes men have been there telling me 
that I'm too emotional or that I'm overreacting or that what I'm seeing or experiencing is just, is not reality. And I'm, the, the more, the older I get, the more I realize so many of those times I was right. right. <laughs> yeah. And, and that the rage, you know, a lot of these female rage experts talk about how rage is like a clarifying, um, how it's a protector. Yeah. Um, so there's part of me that wants to learn how to channel accepting the rage, this naming the rage, sitting with the rage, <laughs> leaning into it in a way that is constructive and in a way that I can harness it rather than just letting it sort of, you know, when you, when you have any sort of emotion that you're, you're not in control of controlling you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other thing you said about how rage as actually almost like a, uh, can, can be in women often like transmuted into this like agopic kind of love that could be holding it. So I know, I know you don't like God. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> but um, this is something that has been the most pivotal for me in becoming a Christian. And I put air quotes around that because I think most Christians would not call me a Christian. Um, because most Christians aren't really Jesus. I don't, I don't, I don't know because I don't, I don't even know if that's true. That's just the way I feel anyways, but it's the, it's this feeling of the love that looks like this. Okay. So it's a fierce encompassing clear, almost cold blue love that I think it's closer to rage than anything else. And for me, very different than anger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Does that make any sense? It does. Because for me, anger is like red and orange and like hot and, and, um, okay, I just made my hands go all over the place. And, and this rage, which sits right next to this big it's clear, love, cool, is clear, it's cool, it's collected, it's brave, focused. it's focused. And all of the best, most brave things I have ever done have come from this place. I get that. I see that. I know that. I know that color. I've yeah. There. So uh, it, I can't be angry because ang it, it's burning off the fuel needed to go to that place, which comes from, it comes from knowing there is a deity, it for me, and that deity loves me. Yeah. And that love, that feeling of love, that almost like, like a, a, a Gaia mother embrace that I can lean into. Which is what's going on in my head. Because yeah. that's what it's closer to for me. Is, is what is the only thing that has ever allowed me to do the hard, brave thing. I mean, not that I like do it all the time. Yeah. I 100% see that through the angle of the <laughs> Gaia female divinity sort of thing where you look at all these ancient goddesses that are that are earth goddesses and life goddesses regenerative goddesses that are tied to the earth itself and the idea of mother nature and mother earth and and when i start thinking about it's not that i think women are better than men i think that we have cut off femininity from our existence for men and women for so long and that if we hadn't the earth would not be in the situation it is in the the our society would not be in the situation it is in and um when i hold on 
to my rage that I, I totally get what you're saying about the differences between that clear, agopic, brave rage and just being Anger. mad yeah. <laughs> and petty and whatever else. That for me, it is it is a connection through to ancient women. It's to the lineage of all the women who have been treated wrong, yeah. murdered. Yeah. Um, to the ancient goddesses, to the ancient earth, to the stars that we are made of. I hear that. And, and in my own way, that is my divinity. And that is sort of the exact same thing you're yeah. talking about. It's just that we see it as two different things. Yeah, and I think we found it two different ways, too, yeah. which is fine. Although, can we talk about the fact that Terrence McNally, even though he's kind of, I don't know, whatever, a man, uh, totally... The Medea speech yes. in Masterclass. Yes! It's in my thesis, bitch! I love that fucking speech! <laughs> I love that speech so much, and I love that as a, as a woman, and I love it as an actor, and I, I can't believe a man... I can't! Wrote that speech. I can't. I wonder who really wrote it. <laughs> who really wrote that? Terrence Collis. Wait, Maria is he still Callas. alive? No, he died this year. Oh, sorry. Sorry. But yes, it's a beautiful speech. Terrence, visit me in my dream and tell me who really wrote that. That Wait, speech. He probably got that, told that speech at a cocktail party by some beautiful actress that was like just. So nobody knows what we're talking about. Terrence McNally has a play called Masterclass. Perfect. And it is written as a masterclass by the great Maria Callas. She gives a speech about how playing Medea, how sitting in that role, she feels like she is able to pull back through history while doing it through all the women who have ever played the role down to the very original Medea, which by the way, the Broadway actress, and I'm blanking on her name, who won the Tony for playing this part, also played Medea on Broadway. Soon I shall play Medea. Okay. It is a beautiful oh, no, speech sorry, about... Oh, no, I Medea. I meant Hecuba. Continue. <laughs> Those are not the same. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that was also the time I should tell you. I'm drinking a lemonade Jack Daniels. <laughs> Jameson. Jameson. Which is also a great, like, through line to the yeah. soul. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's a beautiful speech about acting. And about the transcendence of acting. It's, and it's a beautiful speech about femininity. It's a beautiful speech about ancestral attachment. It's just a really beautiful speech in a really beautiful play. Yeah. Listen, when Terrence visits me in my dream, I will let you guys know who really wrote that. Okay. And if it's him, he'll probably like, I don't know, curse me with diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> I think he wrote it, but I think he heard someone talking about it at a party. Maybe Maria Callas visited him in a dream. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was a dream. <gasps> no, he listened to the recordings of Maria Callas. Maybe Maria Callas actually said that. <laughs> Maybe Medea visited him in a dream. Ooh. Okay, we're getting way off subject here. Sorry. It was a 20-minute Let's uh, go back to track. Grief Town. <laughs> Get out of Actor Town. <laughs> we miss theater, guys. <laughs> Why? I don't know, girl. I do 20 hours of monologue coaching yeah, a week. That I is not the same thing. It's college not, students, not the same thing. I'm but a lot of time. <laughs> while we're here, let me very quickly say, so tell us, first off, what we're talking about this week. We're talking about physical manifestations of grief. If you want to send us over an audio recording and tell us about <gasps> your physical manifestation of grief, um, please just send it to um, our email, deadfolkspodcast at gmail.com. You can um, send it to the Instagram page on the Messenger, or if you happen to know either of us, you can text us 
or email. Um, but also, next week, speaking of theater, we want to talk about spaces that we've, we grieve. And for us, I think theater is, is part of that. Um, but also physical spaces, um, just so many places. Childhood so, homes. Childhood things. All, mem- campgrounds. Yeah, yeah, traveling. So any, so those are the two things. If you want to add anything like about physical manifestations, we'll put it at the top of the episode. We would I love would to hear from love you. I would love that. I would love to hear some like sane, non-actor people <laughs> talk about moments when they had a physical relief of of grief like that because sometimes I just and we we both do spend so much time living in actor town that I would like to speak to a real a real boy <laughs> what you just said I don't know if this was the Jameson or if you meant it but I had said physical manifestations but you said physical relief of grief which yeah. is something a little different and you're right it and, is but I meant what I said okay I, I like it well, I, do too. I want to yes I want to hear both so either of those and then any spaces and, and these don't have to be physical spaces because you know theater there are physical theaters I miss but there's there's also just the space of theater that I yeah yeah that I miss too so if you've got any of that to share with us please please uh while we're not in a professional booth um which we don't know how to operate anyways (laughs) send us that we would love to have some other voices on the show uh that's true are we did we talk about this enough are we done talking what else do you have to say? Do you I don't have... know. I don't know that I have a whole lot else to say. I do like that we're doing this again. I do too. Um, I think it's good. I think we should keep each other, kind of needle each other a bit when we want to not do it. Yeah. What else? I hope that more people than just Michelle and your sister listen. Although, really, if it's just for them, that's enough. I'm happy to shout to the nethers. You're very comfortable screaming into a void. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just like screaming. Well. That's the main thing is, you know, I acknowledge and say, and this is not scientific based remotely, that my body feels things specifically because of grief. And I know, and that's the thing that makes me upset about doctors sometimes, is there are times when I know. And, well, right. and sometimes it's like, you. there's nothing they can do. Yeah. I know this pain in my hip is from losing my mother and having a hard relationship with her and missing her and missing the potential to ever have be able to fix that on this plane. Yeah. And I know that. And I might sound cuckoo, cocoa bananas, but that is what I know in my heart. So Um, I have to say, I believe in that more than I believe in astrology. (laughs) So we will fight to the death on this. Yeah. Haley loves her some astrology. I find it mildly amusing. I love stars. I love the connection to stars. I love thinking about Medusa changing and changing into Pegasus and being up there in the stars watching over sure, me. Sure, I like that too, but like also I don't think like someone named Jane Smith at like newspaper XYZ is like churning out horoscopes every day and like has any insight of who I am or what I am, but I like to believe that I am made of stardust and the stars abs- and the water absolutely yes. and the moon have yes. something Girl, to say I'm about. I'm on board for all of that shit. The only shit I am not on board for is, uh, what's that the app we have? CoStar. Oh, CoStar said I'm having a bad day and it's totally right. I no. am having a bad day. No, I'm not like that, but I do think as a Virgo, like I really fit the dish. 
Like, if someone was like, who is this person? What are they? I think 99 out of 100 people would go, that is a Virgo. Like, I am a Virgo. I don't know if 99 people out of 100 even know any other sign but their own. (laughs) I think they just know their own sign. I still think it would be a very high odds. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm really... I'm, I'm not very Virgo. I'm not disagreeing. This argument is very Virgo. <laughs> You're gonna cut it all anyway, so I'm not even worried. No, about I'm it. not. I'm determined to just be like I'm right. Okay, so this has been Dead Folks. Folks, <laughs> thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. Oh my God, if you made it this far, I owe you a coffee. Thank you. When the world is right, we will take you out. If we can, if we can't, we just are so thankful that you're listening. Please share with us. Please share anything you want with us. We'd love to hear from you. And yeah, uh, Haley's right. If you're if you're if you're giving us the great compliment of your time, I am incredibly thankful and uh, humbled. And uh, yeah, yeah, thanks. And doing this from our phones, we don't have the bandwidth to like do full interviews or anything. But that doesn't mean we don't want to hear from you. So send us send us stuff our way. I'm going to eat an eclair now. Yeah, we're going to go, and I'm going to take off this face mask, and uh, um, I'm going to probably have a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Because I deserve it. Okay, love you. Bye. Bye.